You're listening to the Be Well Cartel podcast. We are three badass female coaches from around the globe who are here to debunk the typical go harder fitness and diet advice and guide you to make your own definition of health and wellness. Join us each week for conversation, information, interviews, dry humor, dad jokes, and more. You guys, we're back. Recording, well, I'm recording live from Brooklyn, New York. Oh my gosh. When I was in New York, um, we went to New York in 2019 and it was like, it, it has been a dream of mine to go to New York for so many years. And we went and saw Lizzo at the, um, oh my gosh, the, the what's the music concert place? Like the really Apollo? Radio Apollo? City. Radio City. Oh, Radio City. Radio okay. City Hall. And I, because growing up, you know, like listening to music, like just when you said Brooklyn, it's like, Brooklyn, you know, and like concerts and things. And when I was watching Lizzo, she's like, New York. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is not me listening to like a CD or something like of a live Mariah Carey concert where she's like, New York, how are you? Or something like that. I'm like, I am in New York and I am listening to you live. And this is so cool. That's just what it reminded me of. Do you know what I mean? It's so funny. It's like, yeah, it's so funny because for me, it's like, like, I find New York super exciting just because it's like, there's so much to look at. Like you go, like yesterday I went with my dad. Um, and so just background for everybody listening. Um, I came to New York, my brother lives here. Um, my dad lives in California and we all kind of met up here uh, at my brother's house. And, um, to me, New York is like, it is like this other world, right? Oh. Even though like I'm from the United States and I've been to New York so many times, it's like every time it's so exciting. There's so much to see and smell and eat and do. And yesterday my dad and I went into Central Park and I was just like, God, how is this in the middle of a city? It's amazing. It's so cool. Yeah. I still, when I think, like thinking about you going to New York and I know that I um, kind of said this to you, you know, oh my gosh, you know, I'm so excited for you to be going to New York and like the food and all of these things. But um, when I, when we went um, a couple of years ago, it was like, because in New Zealand, everything that we get about America is from TV and like movies and stuff like that. And so even I remember when I first went overseas and I sort of became friendly with Americans and I was like, oh my gosh, like they like the TV and it, this is so crazy. And like going to America and going to New York, I was just like, like going to Central Park, it was just like, holy smokes, this is just like the movies and just like TV. And it is such a weird experience because America is so filtered, the way that it's filtered through to other countries through television and media. It's just so crazy. Yeah, there's no it, other country yeah, that's it, that that's that like where the culture is that pervasive yeah so interesting and it's weird because like living you know living in Spain I have so many people that are like you're from the United States that is so cool and it's like one of those things that it's like it's like it's like Instagram right you see the highlight reel and then you see you either see like the really really good things or like the really 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 fucked up things right and so it's like people have this view like I don't know how many times people like you like why on earth do you live in Spain when you're from California right and it's like well, have you ever been here? Like, like Barcelona is really cool, right? But people have this idea that it's like this, this like, like magical, like people from California think Barcelona is like this magical place. And people from Barcelona think that, that California is like this magical place. And I literally, when, when I explain to people like what it's like living in Barcelona, I'm like, it's literally like living anywhere else, but I do a lot of stuff in another language. And people are like, oh, okay, that makes sense. But it's like, I don't know. And I guess you guys know, like living as expats, like people are probably like, oh my God, that's so cool. You live in blah, blah, blah. And you're like, it's like living anywhere else, but I don't, but like the language is different. Yeah. That yeah. Would always happened to me with China. People was like, what's it like living in China? And I was like, literally lived my whole adult life here. Um, so for me, it's just, it's just life. Not really sure yeah. what else to tell you. <laughs> yeah. Think- but we like idealize what we don't know. Uh, yeah. Especially if you're like, if you grow up somewhere and live there and like that's what you've done the whole time then I think you would create like a a sort of fantasy version of 
living anywhere else because it's still a fantasy whereas when you've lived abroad in various places then you're like well actually I could live abroad anywhere so none of that has to be fantasy all of it could be reality if I so wished um and yeah I think I think maybe that just gives you like a, a different view on that stuff I think um for for coming from New Zealand we have kind of a weird thing because we're so isolated like we're mm. so isolated from everywhere and we're growing up like the way that we grow up is like you go to high school and then maybe you go to university or you go overseas and we're really like pushed to go overseas like I remember my my mom was always like you know that's kind of what you do you go and you travel and you have to because you're so far away like you have to go and experience the world otherwise you're stuck down here for a long time and there's nothing else around you you know um that is and I think that that was you know our experience as New Zealanders like coming from that is like whereas like in America there isn't I guess that much of like a push to kind of go and travel you know a lot of people kind of stay home and stuff like that and so it's a really kind of different experience of the world so this is, I love that you bring that up because first of all, like obviously, so my family's a little bit like different than a lot of American families just because my dad is from, from out, my dad's from the UK. And so like, like we were pushed to like go travel and do things, but it's like so interesting because you see a lot of the United, and I know a lot of our listeners, like it's cool because we have listeners from like all over the place. And I know we have a lot of listeners in the States. And so, um, you know, growing up in the States, I would see like a lot of my friends or a lot of people that um, I, you know, that I was around where it's like their families, that wasn't something that they really talked about was like, oh, travel overseas. It was like, they would travel with their families and go like camping or they would travel with their families and go like to the lake that was like a couple hours away. Whereas like me and my brother and my dad, like my dad would, you know, my mom passed away when I was young. And so it was me, my dad, and my brother. And my dad would be like, we're going to Thailand. or like, we're going to Amsterdam. You know what I mean? And so it's like crazy things that I think have so much to do with like the background, but it's weird because like you look at the United States and it's this like giant melting pot, right? And like everybody is from somewhere else. Like unless you're Native American, everywhere, everyone is from somewhere else at some point. But there is this like sense of like, we are in America, like let's stay in America. Like this is the best country in the world. And it's like, well, I don't know, that depth of experience of experiencing other cultures is like, I think it's really important, although I understand that for a lot of people or a lot of families, like maybe it's not accessible because America is so big. It's not like traveling around Europe. You know what I mean? It's not like you can't get like a $60 plane ride to like, I don't know, some other country. Yeah. I, um, you know, going back to what we were talking about before, like the, how America is so projected onto the world. Um, it, and I were talking about this last night because we were talking about the um, the new pronouns that have been, you know, the new Instagram feature where you can put your pronouns on Instagram and your bio. We were just kind of talking about this. And we were talking about how the whole experience of like the pandemic and just like everything that has happened, um, like what the last kind of year and a half has been, what we get from like social media and Instagram, especially so much of that is projected from the States. And it's just really interesting, like being a non-American and how so much of what is coming at us is coming from the States and that kind of perspective with, with different things like the, with COVID and I don't know, it's just a really, I feel like there's a layer of Americanism and that's my, I mean, that's what my experience is with Instagram, right? Like the kind of, pe like the people mm -hmm. that I follow and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like a lot of my experience over the last year and a half with everything that's been going on is so American. If that, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, I think it does. And it was actually, it was actually really interesting. And this is something that like, I know the way that I'm going to say this is probably in some way I'm going to say something wrong and someone's going to hear this and be like, Jillian, you said this wrong, like this is insensitive or, or whatever. But so I was actually really surprised because like I, with all the, the like new pronouns and people being sort of very like sensitive to what like different gender, you know, 
different genders and things like that. And for me, it's like, you can be whatever gender you want to be. I honestly, like that does not affect what, how I think about you. Like you choose your body, whatever. I mean, not, we're not going to talk about like all the crazy legislation against like transgender youth and all that, whatever. But I, but I had an interesting experience because I went to a gym here in Brooklyn. Um, shout out to my friend, Tina, who was an internet friend that became a real friend um, and made me this awesome tie-dye shirt that you can't see. Um, <laughs> but I went to go meet her and I was signing a waiver for the gym. And the guy was like, okay, I need you to fill out this. I need you to fill out this, like your name and then your, your birthday and whatever. And then he goes, gender, like he goes, female, right? And I was like, and I sort of stopped and I was like, in my head, I was like, I feel like that's obvious. And I was like, do we, have we gotten to that point where it's like, you need to check now? And I, and it sort of like was a little bit of a weird feeling because I'd never been asked that before. And it's something like in Spain, they would never even, like nobody even considers that. You know what I mean? Like, like you would go to an establishment and like that wouldn't, like that wouldn't even be a question. And so it was just sort of like, huh, okay. And for me, it was like, it, like I had a little bit of a hard time sort of wrapping my head around like, like, okay, is this like the proper thing to be doing now? Because I, like in my head, I'm like, I feel like it's clear that like I, I identify as female, but maybe not, I don't know. The weird part, the funny part is that on the, on the actual like waiver form, there were only two choices. <laughs> like, so it was mm -hmm. like, okay, so you're asking me what I identify as and my choices are male or female. So <laughs> that was the part where I was like, huh. Like, so they're in know. that interim so phase and like, let's be, more politically correct but with how do we do that yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly but it was just it was one of those experiences where I was like but I think at the same time it's like I be I'm still learning more about kind of how that works because I think also in Spain it's not like I have a lot of, of friends that are homosexual I have a lot of especially male friends that like refer to themselves as like jokingly with female pronouns and so like I'm very used to like hearing that and, and experiencing that. But I think it's like the the more like quote unquote serious talk of like being non-binary or or choosing a different gender or feel, you know, being a different gender, I think has not necessarily come up in my day to day as much. So that was like kind of the first time that it did pop up. And it was just sort of an interesting, like I didn't really know what to say. Yeah, I I feel like that's something that I'm still exploring as well. And for for myself you know like understanding where I kind of fit in with that and especially thinking about like like the pronouns on the Instagram bio for me that's not something that I would for me that's not something that I feel like I need to put up there as something that identifies me do you know what I mean like I don't yeah. if I'm thinking about the way that I would identify myself or like it's it's not I don't see it as an important thing to share about myself and so mm -hmm. does that make sense I don't know if I yeah I I, it, I think it does make sense and I think that's because and I may be totally wrong again here like full disclaimer like I am probably saying things or or putting totally. it in a way that is not and yeah, I think and, and I think I, that's I'm like we're all we're learning trying to figure this out yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we're just exploring here. Um, but I think that's because for us, it's like we sort of take for granted that we identify as female. And so it's not something we consider. We just need to go to the parasympathetic gym. And um... yeah. Oh, so, okay. We're going we're gonna to have to talk about this on the next episode. So any listeners, if you heard Olivia just say the word parasympathetic and talk about the parasympathetic gym, keep your ears open because we have some crazy ideas for you guys. And we're probably going to start with t-shirts. And today, so this topic about gender actually kind of rolls us into um, what we want to talk about today. Uh, but yeah, so we're talking about women in strength training today. So um, when we're thinking about women and strength, well, strength training specifically for women, it's really important to note that strength training or principles for fitness like program design like big rocks of program design and fitness and exercise and stuff like that we we start with the big rocks so there is no difference between um like men and women or sex differences when it comes to like progressive overload periodization um you know principles of training but 
and so we always start there when we're thinking about strength training um but then we layer female specific stuff on top of that and even more so an individual's um experience of being a woman and her different phase and stage of life and whatever her her life looks like and her goals and stuff like that oh so so i think that this conversation is is really fascinating because um we have so much kind of like layered on top of what it means to do strength training right like we're coming out of and I think it's important to talk about kind of like the origins of, of women in strength training because I think there's still a lot of beliefs around there's a lot of beliefs around like oh don't don't lift heavy because then you'll bulk up like oh females shouldn't be doing this type of training and so I think there's a lot to unpack there when we start um promoting or not promoting when when you're a woman that maybe has never strength trained before or maybe you're someone that that has I think there's still a lot of like belief system behind it that maybe you need to break through in order to like fully buy in yeah so I think if we look at if we look at women coming into strength training I think that it's definitely something that um you know in recent years was driven a lot by CrossFit which was uh our three backgrounds right and I think that in the pre-CrossFit era, although there were women strength training, um, it was definitely significantly less than what it is now. And I think that at that point in time, it was probably um, pretty uh, like pretty out of the ordinary, pretty alternative for a woman to choose to do strength training. And I think one of the cool things about CrossFit is that it really brought it into the sort of like everyday woman's sphere of knowledge. But in spite of that, there's still some misunderstandings, right, about what strength training actually means. And perhaps part of that is because many people's understanding of strength training did come from this, like, high-intensity interval training form of training rather than, like, pure strength. I actually wonder, though, because, you know, like, I've been strength training since I was 14 years old. And, like, I remember, like, my mom, like, always going to the gym and stuff like that, you know. So I think that you know, with the rise of more women doing strength training, like, is that to do with the rise of media, you know, and it being more, more information being more accessible, like women kind of like exposed more to women doing it. Um, and so they're seeing it more from more accessibility and, you know, like Facebook and stuff like that. And I wonder if that has got something to, to do with it but I definitely um, agree that CrossFit and I think that Holly you know you and I and our experience in Asia and sort of seeing the growth and we've talked about this before in our CrossFit episode the growth of women doing strength training in Asia which was just I know for me in Taiwan like that was just massive um, and the same for you in China and so we definitely can thank CrossFit for more exposure. I do think though, the media has definitely got something. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and I think a lot of it also has to do with um, with the fact that like there have been a lot of steps towards like, like equality over the last 20 years, right? Like there have been such huge steps towards like, like a woman maybe 30 years ago stepping into a gold's gym would have been like, what is like, what is going on? Right. Or like there was, there was definitely like a small subculture of women that did like bodybuilding and women that did strength training. Like I've seen, I think Olivia, you posted a photo of a woman um, in the seventies that was like, you know, training at muscle beach in, in Venice or whatever it was. I mean, and, some of those women that, like way back are just like yeah. incredible. The Victorian yeah. women were But favorite. they were the outliers. The Victorian yeah. strong yeah. women was so cool. Yeah, but they were the outliers, right? Like they were considered to be like weird. And so I think that as like, you know, with the advent of like active feminists and like moving towards equality, like this has been one of the things that we've seen where like women feel more comfortable in gyms. But even now, depending on what gym you go to as a female, like how many of us, and I think probably all of our listeners that have ever gone into like a regular big box gym, um, or even some CrossFit gyms have probably walked into the gym and felt intimidated because it's like all eyes on you as this female in this, in like the weight training room. And so that's why we see so many females that like, don't head over to where the barbells are or don't pick up weights that are heavier than like X amount. And like that, I think one, it's so amazing that we're, that there is more conversation around it because that's opening up sort of the, the, 
that's opening up the window for people to start exploring rather than being like, oh, that's just something women don't do. And I also think that, um, you know, sort of going on that media thing as well is that if we look about, look at the different ages of what has been popular for what a woman, a woman's body, right? And I'm sure that you guys have seen stuff like this, like, you know, in the 30s, it was like a really, really thin body, right? And then it like changes and changes and then like then there was like the Kate Moss area era and then like bigger more fuller women and now I think it's like this the ideal is like an athletic looking build you know like women want to have you know toned arms or like a little bit muscly muscle but they don't want to look muscular they still want to look thin but kind of like a little bit athletic and so it's kind of like I feel like that has got a lot to do with it. Like the change and trend of what women want to look like um, as well as the media and how that's kind of portrayed. And then, yeah, the ideal from there. And I wonder how much of this, like we have to admit, and we talked about this before in the podcast, that how much of it is that like we are in a bubble because it's like, I think we forget that like, where like where we are like we're so deep down our own rabbit hole that it's like yes everything that is like around us is like we consume it's like the confirmation bias right like whatever you believe to be true like you are going to inadvertently like search out information to to uphold that because I think there is very much like still a large population of women that are deep in diet culture and are just like I just want to be skinny right but then we see and and I believe yeah exactly um but then I think that and I think that this is where our listeners are at like welcome listeners you have found weightlifting tiktok or whatever weightlifting podcast (laughs) and yeah so I think that luckily we you know we are speaking to and hopefully if you're listening to this podcast and you know anyone that's still like I just want to be skinny like pass them this podcast because I think that this would be a really great Um, opportunity for them to start like dipping their toe in in strength training and I know we want to touch on some of the science behind it about like why is strength training important to women and then dig into like some of the reasons why and then even for some people that are just getting into it like how to start moving towards that more so Olivia do you want to jump into the science yeah so when we're thinking about like what is strength training so we're we're talking about we're not talking about the bigger picture of fitness here but we're talking about just resistance training right because if we were talking about the bigger picture of fitness we would be talking about um aerobic we would be talking about anaerobic we'd be talking about lactate stuff although when we're doing strength training that does i mean we can get aerobic with strength training and stuff as well but we won't go down that but strength training is basically like resistance training and that can be depending on where you are um, on the scale of, um, you know, your training age and your ability, how, you know, how long you've been doing this. Resistance, resistance training could be doing body weight. It could be doing a body weight squat. squat. And on the other end of the spectrum, it could be doing like a, a two times body weight back squat. Um, and there are many different ways that we can do this, you know, like doing it in classes or going into the gym and following a program or working with a personal trainer or a coach or something like this. Um, and I think that um, I actually had a conversation with someone today, a new client, and she said, I started, I started lifting weights because I wanted to lose weight. And I think that this is where things get really murky and messy when, and we've sort of talked about this before, that we want to look at resistance training. When we're thinking specifically for for women, we want to look at resistance training as how it is going to help us thrive in life rather than using it as a way to lose body fat or change your body composition. It can and it definitely does by building muscle and stuff like that. But um, relying on any kind of exercise to change your body can um, make things a little bit distorted. 
And I think that this is, I just want to touch really briefly on the, the intrinsic versus extrinsic motivators. And I think we talked about this last week when we talked about goal weights, but um, in, like an extrinsic motivator is like, I want to lift weights because I want to lose weight and I want to look at it in a bikini. And an intrinsic motivator is like, I want to start lifting weights because I love the feeling of finishing a uh, weight training, or I, you know, I want to feel healthy for a long period of time. And so like when we look at those intrinsic motivators, those are the things that are going to keep you going. And those are the things that are going to be truly like the profound drivers for you wanting to continue to weight train. Whereas like, yeah, you may lose weight, you may change your body, but there are a lot of people that lift weights a lot of the time. And like, you wouldn't necessarily be like, oh, that person, you wouldn't look at them and be like, oh, that person lifts weights or, oh, that person's lost weight. But like, the reasons why they lift weights are so much deeper than that. And that is one, why they may stay consistent with it. And two, why they see the health benefits of lifting weights, which it's not just you see biceps or you see or your like butt gets bigger or smaller or whatever it is that you want. Like there's so many actual profound health benefits to it. And, you know, I think Olivia, it'd be good to go into, if you mentioned the sort of spectrum of resistance training and how for some people, yeah, resistance training will be a, a body weight squat. And for other people, it's going to be that two times body weight um, squat. If someone's kind of getting into resistance training uh, for, for the first time, and maybe they've done some stuff in the background before, maybe there are other forms of training, how do they work out for them? What, what, like, what's the appropriate level for them to be working at within resistance training? And I don't know if you want to go into this in here, but you know, what would be the difference between the kind of resistance training that we tend to be talking about more here, more, more strength focused versus the kind of resistance training that you do see in like an F45 or an Orange Theory? Mm. So the first thing that we want to think about when thinking about resistance training is how you're actually moving, moving. Um, and this is with any kind of exercise, right? That the more efficient you are with the way that you move is going to dictate your ability to actually do the thing and actually get an adaptation from something, right? And so it's like, if we if we want to start with strength training, it's understanding movement first. And I don't know if that kind of answers your question, Holly, but I think that that is how we actually have sustainability within fitness as well, because how you actually move is going to dictate everything. Um, because if you are going you know, starting to lift weights, which is amazing. But if you're going into that without actually learning how to move, then you're going to get to a point where you might plateau. You're not going to go further because you can't move efficiently. So you can't move. Always the injury. Or injury, exactly. Um, and so that can lead to frustration and burnout and stuff like that. So I always advise people that are new to exercise. And even if, um, you know, people come to me and they haven't, exercise before if they have the means to at least have like one session with someone in person like a really great uh personal trainer or coach to just learn how to actually move um and i know that now that's not as accessible um especially because of covid so even you know having a look online for someone that can actually teach you like even doing it like over zoom or something like that to understand the basic movement patterns of a squat, um, a hinge, um, a push, pull, um, and how to actually understand your body in space and start to have awareness of your body to then add load. Because we can't add weight or add load if we don't yet know how to actually move our body. Yeah, I think the movement pattern thing is really important there because I think a lot of people coming out of group exercise classes that might include some light weights, very rarely will they have that education on push, pull, squat, hinge, twist, core, like the, the different things that are going on there. And I, I feel like sometimes that lack of awareness can be one of the things that does cause plateau or injury, just because then you don't understand balance, right? And, and what we really want is that balance in a, in a strength program. And then that can lead to frustration and quitting the gym and feeling like you're getting nowhere. And then, you know, like we see people that are, you know, in like a community gym, they've been going for like 
you know, years and years and years doing the same thing over and over. Um, and they're still lifting the same weights. They're still doing the same exercises and they're not progressing at all. Their body hasn't changed at all. They're not exactly getting stronger because, well, there's the education of understanding how to actually progress with strength training. Um, but also the movement efficiency can be something that really halts them. So I'm going to be say something that could potentially be a little bit controversial. Um, but I think that a lot of like a lot of the reason why women don't necessarily add more weights or add more repetitions or slow things down is not that they don't know, but it's the fear of I'm going to look, I'm going to end up with this look that I Oh don't yeah, want. I think a combo of both. Because of we those have things. the like Tracy yeah. yeah. Cause we have like the Tracy Andersons and the like, you know, all of these like people that talk so much about toning, which I think we talked about is toning a thing. I think that was in like episode four or five. We'll link it in the show notes. Um, but I think there's a lot of fear around like, okay, well, I should be getting better just because I'm going through the movements. And this is where, you know, I work with a lot of clients that are, are kind of newer to strength training or, or newer to training in general or getting back into it. And it's just so sometimes it can really be so simple. And obviously like with anything, there's nuance, but it can be so simple as just like, Hey, can you pick up weights that are a couple pounds heavier than you did last week? Amazing. Like we don't need to be doing exceptionally complex movements. Like you don't need to be doing squat cleans or you don't need to be doing like single leg, you know, Russian, whatever, uh, in order to see progression. Like if you're simply doing like squats with a weight in your hands, like a goblet squat. And last week you did, you know, 10 kilos. Well, this week, let's try 12 kilos and see how that goes. And that is progression. Yes, there are some basic like movement concerns that we want to address when we're looking at something even as, as, as basic and fundamental as a squat. Like we want to make sure that your body is moving in a certain way. But I think a lot of the time there is that like fear around like, well, I'm scared that I'm not moving correctly. So I don't even want to try to go up. And it's like, if you're that person and you're like, I'm not ready to hire a personal trainer or you know I don't feel comfortable asking for help in the gym whatever it is like you can easily go online and like this is where the internet is just this amazing beast right go online and google like correct squat form and you can do this you can troubleshoot this yourself at home will it potentially be better if you hire a professional to look at you yeah but you can take this, like, this is like a personal responsibility piece, not responsibility, but like a personal initiative piece of like, you can do this at home by yourself, but it does take, it's like anything, right? We start out not knowing what we don't know. And so now maybe you're learning something that you didn't know. And so now you can take that and be like, I'm going to go online. I'm going to search. I'm going to see what I can find and I'm going to learn. Yeah. And so there are a couple of things here. And I think that on the other end of the spectrum, you know, talking about the movement thing is that that can be a problem as well, is that there is so much accessible and like people going on. And I see this all the time in a gym, especially I'm in a globo gym now. Um, so I just see a lot of this. People are looking at YouTube and I see them like in the gym, like watching YouTube and they're trying to do these like really complex exercises, like single leg, like RDLs, like single leg Romanian deadlift and if you do not have the prerequisite balance and stability to be able to do that with your one leg off the ground you're not actually getting the right stimulus from that exercise and so um you know that can be sort of quite problematic of, of the availability of stuff and if you but you only know what you know and so if you're like okay cool like I'm doing the thing like I'm going into the gym and I'm doing this this is awesome like I'm, I'm showing up um so it can be a really hard thing if, if then you're like, why am I not making progress? Because I'm actually like showing up and I'm doing the thing. Um, so that's, that's one thing. And just what you're saying, Jillian, on, you know, progressing and being afraid to lift a little bit more. That's a very real thing. And I can honestly say for me, sometimes when I get under a barbell back squat, it freaks me the heck out. Like if it's, you know, I get scared under heavy loads. Um, but a really great way to kind of just test yourself with this is to, um, to understand where your capabilities might be is to do something that's quite relatively easy, um, which is like to do a step up or to do a lunge, just like a static lunge up and down. 
hold some weights, like choose some weights that you might feel manageable for you and go up and down, up and down, or like step up and just keep going until you cannot go anymore. And if you're using those weights and you get to like 50 repetitions or something like that, then that's just giving you a little bit of an idea of like, okay, cool. Like if, if, if I'm following this program or I'm deciding that I am going to do 10 repetitions and I've just done 50, then I know that I can probably do more weight than this. And that can be a really good starting point if you are starting out with strength training to just kind of understand like where you might be with what kind of weight you're going to be using. Yeah, I think that's especially true. Again, if you've come from a background of like group classes and high intensity interval training stuff, um, where the the weights that they usually present are quite light. And so often I have... Yeah, exactly. So I often have women coming from that background who say, oh, yes, for lunges, I use um, 10 pounds. And I'm like, okay, cool. But like, how many lunges can you can you do with that weight? And they don't know what their max is because they just do the lunges in the like 30 seconds of the class or whatever else it is. So, yeah, I think, first of all, like understanding a lot of this comes back to understanding, right, which is like understanding what your body actually is capable of with that weight and what's capable of with other weights in order to overcome that fear section um and then you know with that I think that leads us into sort of like if we're thinking about reps and we're thinking about volume of training and we're thinking about rest days and rest periods like how does that how does that piece fit in here because I think that's another thing that a lot of women get really confused about when they first come into strength training and I think that the that a really good point that I that oh, I don't know if it's really good. I'm just not tooting my own horn, being like, this is a really good point, Jillian. Um, <laughs> but like a point that I make a lot with my clients is, yeah, I, thank you, thank you. And a lot of the time, like this is something that comes up with, my, with a lot of my clients where they're like, well, I don't know if this is enough or is this going to be too much? And I always go for, and I know that we want to talk about this as like the ideal versus realistic, where like a lot of the time you'll hear people spout like, oh, you should be strength training three times a week, or you should be strength training four times a week, or you should be doing, you know, full body this many times a week. And it's like, all of this is relative to the individual. And so if you're starting from nothing, like one day a week is going to be an amazing start for you. Um, if you are already, you know, pretty experienced, like a lot, we, we see a lot of people kind of on either ends of the spectrum, right? Where it's like, they're either going to like a, a orange theory class, like six days a week, or they're like maybe just walking or running or whatever that is. And so it's like on both ends of the spectrum, we want to move closer to the middle. And before we don't want to jump to the middle, like we don't want to jump from maybe one day of strength training to five in the same way that we don't necessarily need to go from six days of orange theory to one day of like trying to, you know, max out on all of your, all of your compound lifts. Right. And so this is where we want to look at your, your volume and your intensity, like what, you know, the amount of training that you can do and the intensity at which you can do that training is going to be relative to whatever point you are starting at with now. And this takes, like we talk about all the time, a lot of self-compassion and self-awareness. Yeah. And it's actually like your maximum recovery volume as well. So it's like, if we're talking about frequency and volume, um, like how it's about how much you can actually do where you can actually recover, right? And intensity of those sessions comes into this, but women can actually handle a lot of volume, but they are, most women don't recover properly. And that's where we get into the conversation of being um, overtrained. But, and I actually said this in a post the other day, it's like women are not overtrained. Like there's a lot of conversation about overtraining, 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 but women can actually handle a lot of volume. And I would actually argue that most women aren't doing enough volume and to get a change. So in certain circumstances, so women that are going to like a CrossFit class and they're doing maybe like one strength lift and then they're doing a Metcom it's not enough volume. If they have like a body composition goal or um, skill goals or strength goals or something like that, then that is going to take, I mean, they're still going to get, they're still going to make progress, but from where they started, but it's going to take a really, really, really long time. And that's where I see a lot of people getting frustrated. But 
the main thing that I'm trying to say here is that women have to be thinking about recovery more than um, more than how much they're doing. So, and we've talked about this before, right? That volume is dependent on your ability to recover. And so when we're thinking about, okay, cool. So how do I know if I'm doing enough? Like if I'm doing enough or I'm not doing enough or whatever, and you have to look at your biofeedback, like how is your sleep? How is your recovery? Like how is your nutrition, your hunger, your um, satiety? Um, how's your energy? How is your mood? Do you have niggles? Do you have injuries? Um, how is your motivation? You know, all of these things come into that for determining, are you doing the appropriate volume for what your actual life can handle? I love that you said that, Olivia, because I feel like what you just said could be so freaking polarizing and can, and so many people could hear that sort of like sentence that you said, like most women are not doing enough volume. People would hear that in isolation and be like, what the hell? Cause there's all these people up in arms right now about like overtraining, like you, you know, you're overtraining, like you're doing too much. And I think that you make an amazing point is that it's like the volume of strength training that you're doing is not necessarily the issue. It's the volume of recovery and the quality of your recovery. And so it's like that nuance piece that we were talking about before we started recording is that it's like, yeah, you may be doing CrossFit six days a week, but like that is not going to get you the results that you want for two reasons. Not because, um, you know, not because, oh gosh, like I, you know, I'm not training hard enough. Like you're probably training hard enough, but are you training smart enough? And part of training smart is what, you know, Olivia, I know you, you're in your programs. You're so, so incredible at explaining and, and, and at programming is, am I doing, you know, first of all, what is my goal? Second of all, what are my recovery protocols? And when, when we talk about recovery protocols, it's not like you don't need to be taking like a million supplements. You don't need to be like putting a complex or one of those like leg compression things on your, on your body all the time. But it's like, are you prioritizing sleep? Are you eating enough food? Are, are you managing your stress levels? And if you are doing those things, then you can probably handle a lot more strength training volume than you are currently doing. And this is relative to what you are doing right now, because for someone listening, they might be like, well, I'm strength training twice a week. Like, am I not recovering enough? And it's like, well, maybe what does your recovery look like? And what, you know, are you are you able to understand like, Hey, this week, this was my limit. I felt, you know, this is how I felt next week. Can I push myself slightly harder? Keeping in mind that those recovery protocols, like we mentioned are really, really important. And if those recovery protocols slip, then you may see what some people are now touting on social media is like overtraining, overtraining, overtraining. Like, yeah, you may see some of those symptoms, not because you're doing too much volume, but because you're not doing enough recovery. Yeah, and that's where that media piece is important, right? Because people see athletes, especially, you know, CrossFit athletes training two or three times a day, and they're like, oh, but they're not overtrained. And it's like, yeah, but they're also dedicating like hours of their day to optimally recovering from that stimulus. And that's why they can train that much. So it's like, it really has to be looked at in the overall context of your life and your time, as well as your goals. Um, and that's why I thought it was great, Julian, that you just mentioned, because I was going to say, you know, the quality of your training matters as well as the quantity of your training. Because if you're doing, let's say you're doing six CrossFit classes a week, or you're doing like, I have, I have a lot of clients come to me doing sort of like six CrossFit classes a week and then doing a run in the evening as well, or doing a cycle in the evening as well. And I'm like, cool, there's a lot of exercise volume there, but is, is the quality of the exercise you are doing actually something that is moving you towards what you want to do like like doing extra volume on your runs isn't going to help you with your strength for a pull-up um yeah you know like you don't it's have to be you don't necessarily have to be in a smaller body to do a pull-up you just have to be stronger and so if you were putting more time in getting stronger at the gym you'd probably have that pull up a lot faster than trying to focus on making your body smaller to get it you know women tend to go to more aerobic I mean we are biologically we're more aerobic you know like the muscle fibers that we have in our body we tend to be more enduring and more aerobic um there are women that do you know are really powerful and are really you know they will gravitate towards strength training but women in general are more aerobic and it's easier for us and that is why I mean there's so many this is when we come into the sex differences and being able to handle volume because we are so much more enduring so 
but this also can work against us and to our detriment. So following on from what you're saying, Holly, is that I think a lot of women can get confused when they're thinking about like, it's, it's like a confusing thing of like, okay, strength training, resistance training, goals, want to get stronger, but doing CrossFit classes, which are really, I mean, CrossFit is aerobic training. You know, there's very little that is like pure resistance strength training. Most of it is aerobic. And so that's where it gets into this really like kind of confusing, weird thing. And for women, if, if, if there are women that are, if you are, you know, like Holly said, like training six times a week and you're doing CrossFit classes and you, you're doing a, a lot of aerobic work and not a lot of resistance training. And this is where we can get into like feeling like this chronic fatigue and like going really hard and actually not getting an adaptation because we're staying in the same energy system all the time and we're not modulating our intensities. And when I, what I mean by that is the, the very broad spectrum of aerobic training, which can be from like shorter, harder intervals to like longer endurance stuff to then anaerobic to then lactate and also how strength training comes into that as well. And so when we, when we are, um, when we are doing like pure strength training, like using tempo and stuff like that, that is when you're getting these benefits of like bone density, heart health, um, you're getting stronger, feeling more capable, um, independence, you know, all of those things can also come from like aerobic training, but you're going to get a lot more out of that with doing pure resistance training as well as alongside the aerobic stuff. And the other thing with that is with women being more enduring, we can tend to slog things out more. So it's a lot easier for us to be like, I am really tired, but I have to exercise. I'm just going to go and run a 5K. Or I'm really tired, but I'm just going to go to that CrossFit class. I'm going to do that 20 minute AMRAP. And I'm just going to like grind. I'm just going to get through it because we can do that, you know. But when we're doing resistance training, you're so much more exposed because if you are like lifting heavy, you just can't do it, you know? I mean, you just can't lift like a heavy back squat if you're really tired. And so this is where the adaptation piece is really problematic for women because again, going back to being under-recovered because women will keep going. We will keep exercising and keep working and keep working, not allowing ourselves to actually recover and to adapt from what we're actually doing because we're like, okay, cool. We'll just do more aerobic stuff without being exposed in resistance training. That was a lot, but does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I think it goes really well into this idea of like, like there's a difference between feeling unmotivated and, fe and being tired. Difference between being worn out and, and, feel, and, and not feeling like, and not quote unquote feeling like it. And I think sometimes as women, we struggle to identify the difference between the two because we think that I'm tired means I'm just not motivated. And it's like, this is also where media plays into it, where it's like, they, you know, a lot of the time, and I actually just saw a post on this the other day where this woman was like, you need to be disciplined. You're not always going to be motivated. You need to be disciplined and you need to try harder. You're going to, you need to sacrifice. And I was like, bitch, can you shut up? Cause you are not helping anybody right now. And it's like, there's, I, I, cause I think a lot of the time as women, we're like, oh, well, you know, they're on one side, you may be unmotivated. And sometimes if you're unmotivated, you just got to do it anyways. Right. Cause we're not going to be motivated all the time. But on the other hand, it's like, do you know when your body is actually tired and you need to be recovering more? But I think that a point that, that this kind of goes into is like, there are different phases of your life in which you are going to have more space to do more or less or different things, right? And so for example, like we're coming out of a lot of COVID. And so a lot of people weren't able to necessarily do a lot of heavier weight strength training with certain adaptations that they may have done at other phases in their lives because they didn't have a home gym or they only had access to resistance bands. And I think that that's where we, we get in this like pigeonhole of strength training, you know, and, and I think there's a few different sides to this, but some people get in this pigeonhole and I know I used to be here. Strength training is only when you are lifting a barbell, when you're lifting heavy weights, when you are sore, but strength training can simply just be like, Hey, maybe I can't do a push up. And so I'm going to start by doing a push up against a wall, right? And then maybe from the wall, I progress to my knees on the floor. And then maybe from my knees on the floor, I progress to going down with my, with my knees up and then up with my knees down. And so being able to sort of be flexible with yourself as you 
um, move through different times of life, not just like emotionally, I guess, but also like physically, like our bodies are different at 18 than they are at 28 and then they are at 38 than they are at 48. Like I know for myself, like being in my thirties, like I definitely feel and recover a lot differently than I used to when I was in my twenties. And this is where I think a lot of us go back to, and this goes, I mean, all, a lot of this goes back to the mindset piece of like, well, but I used to be able to do this. And it's like, yeah, when I was 29, I think I had like a hundred kilo back squat, but like, I'm in a different phase of my life, both emotionally and physically. Right. Yeah. And I think also one of the, one of the common misunderstandings with strength training in terms of phases of life is the importance of strength training as we get older. And I think that's something that very often um, women go, oh, like I'm, I'm getting older. I should reduce the intensity of my training. And, you know, like I, people think of themselves as more fragile when actually like resistance training into that age range would actually help us become much less fragile. And I know, I think Olivia frames the, the age stuff really perfectly because I know you work with quite a few clients who are who are often going into that phase and, and helping them sort of get out of that mindset right yeah oh man this is just so <sighs> doctors and like everything that is around like this transitional period of like menopause, perimenopause and going into menopause I have a lot of clients who are kind of like late 30s like 40s um, and going through this transition phase in like 50s and um, they are all very active women you know um, so they are pretty kind of onto it but there are so many doctors and a lot of this stuff around this transitional period that's saying exactly what you see Holly slow down you know you need to look after yourself and do yoga and long walks and while those things are really great it is actually even more important for women to be doing resistance training as we age. And what's really important to note here, I mean, this is why I will forever like take it to my grave. All women of all stages and phases of life should be doing some kind of resistance training. And remember the spectrum of that, right? That that can be a body weight squat to an elevated surface. Like there's so many things with that, right? But um, especially important for women you know, late teens, um, 20s and 30s to be doing resistance training to get as much bone density as possible because bone starts to decline um, late 30s. Like this is imperative. And this is why education for young women and movement is so important. And like young women who are going through puberty, who start to kind of, you know, a little bit gangly, like hips and like boobs coming and then young women are deciding not to to do exercise because of the changes with their body and then so many young women then don't exercise and then women maybe come back to exercise kind of in their 30s and so it's really important for that education piece for younger people so that they are doing it for their bones but then going into later years for you know one of the main things for women as as they age is like falls prevention and so for women having the upper body strength to pull and push themselves up so that they're able to thrive in later life um but then you know the prescription for resistance training changes for women in different phases and stages right i mean women who are in their 30s and 40s they've got a lot of shit going on and so it's like it goes back to that recovery piece, like how well can they recover? And that'll dictate what they can do. Same as women that are in menopause. I mean, the recovery thing is really, really important with that as well. And we can even think about the way that the, you know, training and then resting and training and resting like this. But, you know, for women that are in that later phase of life, you know, making sure that they are relative, relative plyometrics, um, you know, things like this that are actually stimulating that bone um, and banking as much muscle as possible. Yeah, it's really important across a yeah. woman's life altogether. And so I just want to really quickly like tell a story um, because my, so uh, my great aunt 
she lived, I think, till her late 80s. And she, she was extremely healthy, but she never exercised because when she was growing up, you know, she was born in like 19, I don't know, like the 19 somethings, like a long time ago. And for, for her, it was like women did not strength train right? Women didn't exercise. That wasn't something that they did. And so I saw her as she got older, like physically, it was really hard for her to walk. Um, she was walked very, very slowly. And so her doctor actually prescribed resistance training to her in her late seventies. And she had never done this before. Whereas I see um, my, you know, both of my grandmothers who have been very active and done some sort of resistance training their whole lives. Whereas my dad's mom, who is in her nineties, I taught her how to squat um, and how to push press with a broomstick at the age of 93. And so it's like, yes, it's really hard for us to sort of like look farther on, but it's like, those are very specific examples of like women that in all other aspects of their lives are healthy. And the difference that they had was some of them, like two, you know, my grandmothers did resistance training and my aunt did not do resistance training. And the quality of life difference was just insane. And when I'm talking about, you know, my, my, when my grandmothers don't go into the gym and do deadlifts, right. But they did like my, one of my grand, my, my grandmother did jazzercise, jazzercise. Yeah. They do use light weights, but, but and it's not the typical strength training, but it did build some strength for her. My grandmother um, was, you know, constantly working in the house. She also was a dancer. And so doing these things that even though they do have a cardiovascular effect, they do build some muscle, like even that small step is huge. And a big thing with, with being consistent with that over time is finding something that you love. Like my grandmothers were able to stick with strength, with strength training and movement, you know, not strength training, but resistance training in some sort and movement because they found something that they love to do. And so it wasn't this obligation of like, oh, I need to dance or I need to go to jazzercise or I need to be, you know, moving heavy things in the garden because I have to change my body. It was like, this is something that I enjoy doing. And so I'm going to want to do it for many years. And now I have, I'm lucky to have both of my grandmothers alive. One is 95. The other one I think is like 92 or, or 90 or something. And they're both still active. So if that is not reason enough to move your damn body, um, I don't know what it is. Yeah, that is so amazing. And you know, this is so true. Use it or lose it. And as we age, there are so many things that can come in the way of like doing exercise and doing resistance training. But, um, and, and that is the difference between just surviving or thriving, you know, and we forget to think about our future selves because it's too hard. You know, it's much easier to just stay in the moment and be like, oh, I can't be bothered or oh, I'll try another time or I'll start next week. But it's like, okay, if you want to live like a full intentional life and if you want to be strong and capable and independent, do some strength training. And I think that this, like, we can kind of start wrapping up here. I think this comes down to a lot of people might think like, yes, but I don't have time or I'm busy or I'm, you know, whatever it is. And it's like, if you're currently doing nothing, doing one strength training session a week, even if it's a short one is way better than nothing. And this is where we, you know, we talk about the difference between realistic and ideal. And if, what, if ideal for you is like, you know, strength training three or four times a week, you go to the gym, you, you follow a program, blah, blah, blah. If that's ideal, but it's not realistic then it's not actually ideal, right? And so we want to look at like meeting you where you're at now because you can always continue to level up. But if you're currently at zero and what's stopping you is like, you don't feel like you can do quote unquote enough, like don't let that stop you because it literally something is always better than nothing. And this is where, you know, if you're listening to this and you're like, I don't know where to start or I'm at a point where I feel like I'm holding myself back because I can't do this quote unquote ideal, like reach out to us. We're always happy to, to direct you in, in a way that will be beneficial for you. And, and one of the things that I think that you, Holly, and I do really well, you know, again, tooting our own horns, is that I think that we're really, really good at adapting to the needs of the individual rather than adapting the individual to what we believe to be true. And so this is where I know we say this all the time, but honestly, if you're like, I don't know where to start, shoot a message to the Be Well Cartel Instagram, and we'll send you a voice message and give you you know, some tips to get started. Even if you're not like, I want to hire you as a coach, like that's fine. We don't care. Like ask us. 100%. And that's the whole point of this mm. podcast, right? And on the other end yeah. of the spectrum is 
you know, if you're listening to this and you're like, man, I am going to the gym like six times a week and I feel like something's not right. Like I'm not actually progressing. I'm doing a lot of aerobic work. Am I, what am I doing here? Like, am I actually contributing towards where I want to go? Then again, like reach out and just ask and we can have a conversation about that. That's exactly what we're here for. Exactly. And I think we want to wrap up now. I apologize if you guys are hearing things in the background because I am currently with my family. Usually I'm just by myself and with my dog. But thank you guys for listening. As always, if you enjoyed this episode, make sure to give it a share. I know I've had some amazing clients and, and people in our community tell us that they've shared it with like their accountability groups or their families. And it's so cool to hear people sharing our work and this thing that we pour so much love into. Um, and this is, you know, I think this conversation is, is a, it's a big one, right? And I know that we will definitely revisit this conversation in the future. As always, if you have any questions that you want to hear on the podcast that you want to hear us respond to, we love doing those Q&A episodes. Um, if you're listening to this and you haven't listened to our last Q&A episode around goal weights and um, period cravings, hot damn, that was a good episode. Please go listen to it. I think you will love it. And um, Olivia, as we said before we started recording, so Holly hopped off to go jump on a client call, um, but I miss you guys. Even though we've never physically been together in person, I miss you guys. I know, I miss you. And I really so, yeah. wish that we were in New York together. Like, it actually, I, I can feel my heart actually aches. Like, that's how much I love New York. And thinking about you being there, it's just like, oh, I just, I my heart I aches. So, Jillian, I'm telling you now, Please, if you go to Central Park, you have to send us a photo of you in Central Park. Okay, I will. I will do yeah. that. I will do that. Yeah. I went yesterday, so I will send you some videos that I took. Um, and yes, I love you guys. And uh, thank you, listeners. Listener, you for week. being here. We will see you next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Be Well Cartel podcast. Make sure to hit follow on the podcast app of your choice, share this episode, and leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts. It is a small effort with a big reward and the best way for other like-minded individuals to find the Be Well Cartel. To learn more about the Be Well Cartel community, stay up to date with us on Instagram at Be Well Cartel and see you again next week. We love feedback, so if you have anything to share with us, please reach out via Instagram to let us know what we are doing well, what we can improve on, and how we can support you.